Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for our Premier League show. With me as always, we have Jamie Rules. How are you, Jamie? I'm absolutely fine, Mason. Thanks very much for having me back on, mate. And also we have Johnny Meeks. How are you, Johnny? I'm good, Mason. Thank you, mate. Always nice to be back. It is, it is. And it's another uh, jam-packed uh, weekend of Premier League football. Um, feels like, I don't know why, feels like quite a long time uh, that international break was, was dragging towards the end. So uh, it's good, good to have the football back. But Jamie, let's start with the biggest game, or well, what was called the biggest game of the weekend. But I think you'll agree with me, it was a little bit of a, a disappointing uh, 90 minutes. There was obviously a lot of talk about it being the early kickoff on, on Saturday. Um, and, and, and I think that's a, a really fair, fair point. But uh, what was your thoughts on the game? Was it a, a fair result in the end? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think anybody going to the Etihad would would welcome a point. Um, you know, not many teams go to the Etihad and, ho- and, and hope to get a point. Never mind actually hold one and get one. Um, if I'm honest, I think the half twelve did affect some of our players. I don't think it affects the team overall. I don't, you know, let's let's create this, let's take this meta away. It's not the fact that um, you know you have to kick off three hours earlier. Your body doesn't change. It's it's all about the preparation that goes with it. Liverpool had, I think, there was five South Americans that were flying back on the Thursday night, which means they touched in on the Friday morning. They reported for training on the Friday afternoon, sitting with jet lag, trying to talk over a game in hand. So it's just it's just more, you know, that kind of trying to prep for a game from Man City is probably what always irks clops when it comes to these early kickoffs. But I think he's right. When you're factoring all these problems all your half 12 kickoffs are going to be affected. Um, the game was scheduled to be a half five kickoff, but it was the police. It was the police that actually t- um, refused to um, support the half five kickoff. They were, they were demanding it being the half 12 because apparently I think last year there was a bit of trouble between the fans outside the stadium. So it was actually a police request. So Klopp can't really moan at the Premier League for that. Um, but I think the time did affect the overall attitude towards the game. And I think it just panned out like that. City are always brilliant when they're at home in terms of the way that they play. Um, 
you would expect them to have majority of the ball um, and that was to hit the counter-attack. And I think that's pretty much how it panned out. Um, we caused some of our own problems with Allison's kicking. I have no idea. You know, see when you do it once, you don't keep persisting with it. And I don't get why we why we did it. It was quite evident in the first five minutes that Allison's kicking wasn't on par. But we persisted to keep trying to play him in him, um, which made no sense. So we kind of brought it on ourselves. They obviously took the early lead. Haaland is lethal from that that area. You know, the ball in behind, touched to the side and scooped into the far corner. That was Haaland all day long. But I would say that's probably Haaland's only good chance all day long. I think we did well. We, you know, the, we we probably didn't get much. We probably didn't deserve much out of the first half. They were they were the stronger. But I think the second half, with a few tweaks with the subs coming on, I think we grew into the game. And it was evident from I think it was Gravin. There was a there was a save. 20 seconds before the goal went in from Allison, Gravin Birch ran with the ball, played in Diaz. So two of the subs that had just come on. The ball was meant for Gakpo. He missed it. Salah set up Trent and we got what I would call a hard-earned point from um, the Etihad. So I think that was more of a bigger point for us than it was for City. I think that was probably two points dropped for City. Johnny, I'd agree there with Jamie. I think it's a it's a good good point for Liverpool, as as Jamie said. I, th- I think Man City could have set a, r- a record for home wins in the Premier League if they'd have beat Liverpool on Saturday as well. So, um, yeah, credit's got to go to Liverpool for coming away from, from the point. The question I'm going to ask you, Johnny, is um, did did they get away with one with the with the Allison, uh, the foul on Allison? Um, goalkeepers are heavily protected, um, you know, nowadays. What, what was your thoughts on on that one? It always does my head, doesn't it? The amount of protection goalkeepers get. And I don't just mean Alisson at the weekend. Alisson was not there. I don't think he was on international duty. I reckon he was away for a two-week bend at the Ibiza with his mates. He was miles off it. He just looked lost. He looked tired. He looked jaded. It was, you know, it was like he was... His brain wasn't in that in that stadium. Um, and it's not like him, to be fair. But yeah, I, I agree, Bill. If you agree, he... Um, there wasn't enough for a fill, but it's not just that it happens every week. I think they get heavily protected. It's like we went from one end of the spectrum to the other with goalkeepers. You know, they've always had the reputation of the harder of the team, you know, put their body on the line and can take pretty much anything compared to the player who's the complete opposite. Outfield player, sorry. Um, the players, uh, I don't know, say early 2000s, 90s, must look at it nowadays and, and shake their head. Uh, so, yeah, to, to go with what you asked, I would say they definitely got away with one. Um, I thought City done enough, but I would say that there wasn't a hell of a lot in the game. Um, like Jamie's kind of touched on, it was quite quite laid back. It wasn't really what was expected. Kind of hoped for fireworks, but we didn't really get that. But City did have the chances, the guilt edge ones, and they had a lot um, in an attacking sense. I think they had a lot more, uh, but they just, it kind of frittered out a wee bit, or they weren't on target, it just wasn't the, the day to grab the win. And like you say, I mean, it's a good point, it's a good point for anybody to go there and get that, even for Liverpool, it's the exact same. So, they'll be delighted with the point, sitting maybe feel a wee bit hard done by. Uh, yeah, I think that sums it up. 
yeah, I think you both summed it up up there. And I've got to say, uh, Jamie, some finish, some finish from from Trent. Trent uh, yeah. do, do, do you want to hear something? So it was, this is the kind of game it was. It was like the the, the whole narrative was about Doku apparently absolutely annihilating Trent. Now I didn't see that. I, I'd seen him running at Trent in the stadium. They announced Doku as the man of the match, but the commentary gave it to Trent Alexander-Arnold. It kind of shows you actually that it was one of those kind of games where it was just you could make a case for both sides, and it was no real winner because actually Trent was probably the best. Was he had the highest interceptions, the highest tackles, and the highest passing accuracy in the whole of the game. That's not bad considering that apparently Doku ran things around him all game. So it was kind of one of those ones. It was it was fighting fire with each other. Um, it just didn't live up to what we expected it to. I don't think Doku ran rings around them, but what no. I did notice a hell of a lot was Doku got a stupid amount of space. He mm. was free on his own God knows how many times, and that's Trent. Mm. Trent has to cover that, and I don't think he did. So I'm not saying Trent had a bad game, yeah. but I still think that on a better day, he would have got punished a lot more than he did. <laughs> and I think for, for the goal that was ruled out, um, whether I like whether I think it was a goal or not, I actually think it was right to VAR because actually it was VAR extreme properly because the referee gave the free kick and VAR said, well, that's the referee's opinion. There's not enough there for us to intervene. So they actually didn't intervene and they let the, let the referee's decision stand, which was no goal. That's how you accurately use VAR. And I know, I'm, I know you guys are probably laughing at that, but yeah, ref called it. Has he seen it? <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, but yeah, definitely coming away. Uh, Liverpool with, with a better point, and I, I still think Liverpool. As I've said it. I still think Liverpool have got more gears, and I would expect them to be in the shout towards the, the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But Johnny, um, coming to you for, for for this one, Arsenal have gone top at uh, top of the league. Um, at this at this stage, um, I, I think we. I think it's, is it fair to say? It's a very different sort of Arsenal team to what we see this time last season. Um, I think they were playing better football last season. I think they looked look more fluid. I think they looked more dangerous. But what I will say is they defensively look, uh, uh, you know, I thought Saturday they looked a, a lot more solid. Um, and I'm, I know I've said before, I'm not one of Declan Rass's sort of biggest fans, but I thought he had a really good game at the weekend and he sort of, said, you know, made that midfield more solid. But and it was uh, Kai Havertz that, that got the winner um, and uh, finally scored for Arsenal, which, which is in a, a penalty. But, you know, it's a big, big goal for him. Yeah, it was huge, mate. I think he needed that as well, just for his for his sell. Um, Arteta was talking about after the game because he had to actually force them to go and celebrate with the fans after the, the game because I, I think he's quite a, a laid-back kind of lad, maybe a wee bit shy. Um, maybe been struggling a wee bit with, you know, because he has come under a bit of fire because he definitely hasn't lived up to that price tag. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he's definitely needed that. It was a pretty stale game, to be honest. Um, I fell asleep twice watching it. I put my hands up. It just, it wasn't really up to much. But what I will say for them is last season at this stage, they were blowing teams out of the water, left, right and centre. Um come at the back end, we all know what happened. But this season, we're not really... We've seen, we've seen it in elements, but nowhere near that. But they're still getting the results. And, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be champions. I'm, all I'm saying is, to get to that stage, you have to have that quality where you can play like dog meat and still get the points. And that's pretty much what they've done. 
you know, they, they, they kept at it, they stuck at it, they stuck at it and they got the reward in the end. I mean, yeah, it took them a lot longer than they probably would have liked, but at the end of the day, it's about three points. Um, so, I mean, yeah, let's be honest, if they could drag that over the season and play that badly and get three points every game, I'm sure every fan would be delighted. Oh, absolutely. Jamie, just to obviously, you know, about Arsenal, um, I suppose as, a, as, a, as a, a Liverpool fan, you know, obviously I said earlier, I'm sure you see Liverpool, you know, definitely in with a shout of the title this season, especially, you know, when you look at the table. Um, but how seriously do you, do you take Arsenal? Do you think they're a real threat this season? I wouldn't call them a threat this season, and I'm, I'm, I, the only reason I'm saying that is I'm, the measuring stick has to be last season. You look at this time last season, I think Johnny called, called it out there. I think up until the the, the international break for the World Cup, um, they'd be pretty much won every single point. I think they'd only dropped two points by the end of the year. They were blowing teams away. This has a very different feel about the current Arsenal team, and they've only made a few tweaks. You know, they brought Declan Rice in. Um, and they've obviously got a new goalkeeper, but it feels like a different... There was a graphic that they showed in Monday Night Football yesterday, and I think by this time last year um, in the season, Arsenal had scored double what they'd already scored by this time in, in this current season. So they're not blowing teams away. You know, Martinelli hasn't really hit the floor um, in terms of goal scoring yet. Um, Jesus has obviously been injured in the kit yet. By this time last year, he'd already got four goals or something. I think he's had his hat trick, and that's about it. So there's a very different feel about them. But I think they're only top by default because Liverpool and Man City play each other at the weekend. And I, I don't want to be hypercritical and blow my own trumpet, but I do think City and Arsenal, sorry, City and Liverpool will be will be the top two at the end of the season. I would expect Arsenal to be maybe five points behind the second teamer because the sneaking point, the sneaking points over the line at the last minute, which is all fine, but you can't keep doing that all season. Um, so I think I think there is a couple of points in them where they do drop. Um, but I'm like you, I think that I, I didn't think Declan Rice would improve them more as much as he did. Because he's he's so secure in that midfield, he's box to box. He intercepts, he breaks up the play, and I know that's what he did for West Ham. But the question was always going to be whether or not he could actually take that to a higher level. He looks like he's running two two shifts in there. You know, if you think about last season, they had Partey and Jorginho. You forget that they actually don't use either of them at the moment. They've got Declan Rice pretty much running the show. Um, Odegaard um, has obviously been injured, and he's just coming back. I think it was a good result for him at the weekend, but um, I don't see him holding on to the top spot for much longer. I think they've got a few tricky cut, uh, games coming up as well. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, go, going forward, Johnny, um, sorry to, to come to you first with, with this one, but um, I think I think it's still the right man to come to. But what did you make of Chelsea's disaster? Um, I've got to say second half, because um, first half wasn't too bad. But, but second half against Newcastle was, you know, you look at that Newcastle team, I think they had three academy players in there, a um, lot of injuries. Um, and Chelsea, second half was all over the place and they got, got ripped apart. I thought Anthony Gordon for Newcastle was really good and he's coming into a game, to be fair. And he's someone that I've criticised sort of towards the back end of last season, but I think he's been really good this season. But I think for me, I'm looking at it as a Chelsea point of view more than, than how good Newcastle were, to be honest. Aye, yeah. I think if we looked over every pod for this season, 
and listen to my review of the Chelsea games, it would be a proper roller coaster. It was there's no there is no middle ground with Chelsea. There's either excellent or shite. There is nothing in between. Um, as we've seen, they went, what was that? I don't know where we are now, but that was a good run of games, and they were playing well. Um, put some of the bigger teams away, had some of the bigger teams struggling, and never looked uncomfortable. Looked like they belonged to be competing. And then they go to other games, uh, like the Brentford one, for example, um, play well, implode at the weekend there. The, it was very much the opposite end of the scale. For Chelsea, um, Tom Milton get back in it. What a free kick from Sterling! Great strike, and then just imploded. Uh, the 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 space they were given was mental. The, the challenges were just rash. They were throwing free kicks everywhere, gifting them, gifting back possession. It just was over and over and over. So for all Newcastle, yeah, they done well. I'm taking nothing away for that. Um, it's a great result for them, and they deserved it. They. Chelsea gifted it. Chelsea made it so much more easier than it should be. But that's nothing new. That's what we're seeing. And I'd, I'll be honest with you, Mason, I don't think that's going to change, or at least not for a while. I think that's going to be part of the process. Uh, if they give Pep time, uh, sorry, Poch, give the time, which they have to. You know, there's, no, there's no choice. Give Poch a time. We're going to see this for a while. I've been saying it for months now as a very young team, minus Thiago, who is about 95. It's a young team, and they are going to get schooled in certain games. They're going to get bullied. There was an element of that at the weekend. They definitely got bullied. I think we're going to see that a lot. So until it settles, I think Chelsea fans and everybody else alike is just going to have to accept that that's going to be part of the process. And it was grim. <laughs> Slow but uh, yeah, I think Tony said that right. I think yeah, my, my, I say my brother, brother's obviously a big, big Chelsea supporter, and um, he, he was speechless um, Saturday night. But he said exactly the same as you, Johnny. He said uh, we're rather very, very good, or we're very, very poor, and um, this is going to be the problem. And I think, to be honest, that summed up Jamie. I think that sort of summed up Chelsea's. For the last since since the new the new owners gone in there to be honest yeah. I think they've, they've made some really good signings and I think they've made some questionable ones and it's just been a bit scattergun and I think the performances are exactly the same. Yeah, but I think there's something different about this one at the weekend, and I think Johnny just touched on it at the end. For all for all that Chelsea have been, they've been utter off at times, but they got bullied at the weekend. They got bullied by they got overrode by the occasion, and what I mean is like the crowd on the backs and everything. Um, Sterling scoring that free kick is an absolute wildy because I think that's the second free kick he's scored in nearly 350, 360 appearances. How he's even taken the free kicks just has me scratching my head at the best of times. It's like Harry Kane taking corners for England. Like, what's the point? But for some reason, he still gets the shot and it's an absolute pearler. Um, but from there on, Newcastle absolutely bullied them. They took the ball off them. They crossed in. Go, even people like Anthony Gordon. You look at the the young lad in the middle of the pot for, for Newcastle at the moment, Lewis Miley, 17 years old, and, and he had probably an absolute 
outstanding game. That pass for that first goal, like the whole crowd is shouting on him to shoot, and he has the he has the nerve to to dummy the shots and and play it in for Isak. That's great. Seventeen years old, having that kind of vision. That's you know that's you don't teach that. That's just natural instinct. So he looks as though he's gonna have a bright future. Me and Colin managed to get to see him in the the preseason friendly we went to at the beginning of the season, and he was pretty good then as well. Um, but Chelsea got bullied. Thiago Silva didn't look right, you know, and I, I, obviously he was at fault for one of the goals, but there was a couple of times I think he tried to cut a ball out at the byline and he kind of flunked it and, and the went <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was just like... That's I, when he it, fell on his ass and yeah, got them pointed that I'm laughing. It was very uncharacteristic. You know, everybody can have a bad pass back, pass back but yeah, he got... There was, there was individual battles that were getting lost all over the park. Um, I think I think I seen on watching on one of the replays. I think I don't know if it was match of the day it showed it. And Nicholas Jackson was raging because he wasn't getting to hit the free kick. <laughs> Yet Sterling puts it in. So it's like all those internal little things are still going on. The fact that Pochettino was up in the stands didn't help either. But you look at the Chelsea results at where they've lost games recently. You know, in the season, they've never really been bullied. They've just been outplayed or they've just been outrun. I think the one at the weekend that was that was probably a big downer for them. Um, and and comp- adding the fact that Reese James, the captain, gets sent off. Um, I think he, his first one was he, he kicked the ball away, didn't he? And then and then two minutes later, Sterling kicks the ball away, and they both you know he gets a yellow card. And you're just like, you you can't even say you can't even say that's naivety of a new team being put together because these players these guys have played about two hundred games in the Premier League or three hundred games in the Premier League. So there's no naivety; it's just stupidity. So. Chelsea is still very much not playing as a team. And I think it was all about Newcastle rather than Chelsea. I think Newcastle just blew them away. The you, Remember the Newcastle PSG game? It just felt like it was one of those kind of a games for them. They just bullied them and just got at them and, and Chelsea didn't know how to respond. Yeah, I mean, look, take, take nothing away from, from Newcastle, um, especially at home. They're, they're a really, really good side. Um, but you just touched on, on Reece James there, Johnny. just want to come back to you for this one. Um, to me, he's obviously in and out of injuries. Uh, when he has played the, uh, this season, he, he hasn't looked right. Um, and I know, I, I, I don't know if this is, is, you know, if anyone agree, but I'm not sure if he's a captain. I think he's a good player when he's fit, but I don't see him really, you know, Chelsea captain, a winner. Mm, I'm not sure. Sounds like they were trying to get him to sign a new contract, wasn't it? That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I was going to say that that when a player's got a contract coming up, if he's getting an name for himself, and he, he you know has a lot of interest, sometimes they, they you know they will do that. I, I kind of agree, mate. Listen, when you've Silver, sorry, I, I'm not changing the subject, but Silver, in a sense, when he was captain, that made perfect sense. You're not going to get a better experience in that and how to run a football pitch. Yeah, he's getting older, but he can still, he's still you know, the football brain's never going to go. To me, that's where the captain should be. Or somebody in the middle of the park. That's just a personal choice. That's where I prefer my captain to be. Someone who sees everything and can bark orders all over the pitch. Um, and yeah, I kind of agree with James. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell on the pitch. You know, you don't hear really what's going on. But I mean, Reese James is injured more than he's fit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not reliable at all. Fantastic player, yeah, and I think he's got a bright future, but he really, really needs a run away from injuries. And I think until that happens, and he's a constant in that team, that's not where my captain would be. 
Am I right in thinking I Conor Gallagher? Am I right in thinking Conor Gallagher was the captain in the last two games? The two games that they I beat think, when they had the really good results against City and uh, um, Tottenham. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it was. Uh, Sorry, only go miss. Is it James is captain? Chilwell's vice captain, and then two of them are both injured, aren't they? So, so I think Conor Gallagher yeah, yeah. wearing the armband for a while. Two of the most injury-prone yeah, players in the UK is your captain <laughs> and your vice captain. And then you wonder why there's a problem. Um, no, I just think there is better options there. I would rather have Gallagher, uh, better position, and he is all over the pitch. Uh, regardless of the result, I'll say one thing for him, he never stops. And you get every, every bit of energy that lad has, you get. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's his choice, that's his choice. I just think with Chelsea, I think we're going to see more and more of that. And they'll, they'll come up against somebody shortly and probably you know, run right through them. And then we'll get a repeat of the weekend the week after. Yeah. 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 It'd be interesting to see how Chelsea respond. Jamie, um, Man United comfortably beat Everton 3 0. Um, I was it's a bit of a strange game this one. Um, because I don't think Everton I think got beat 3 0 at home, but I don't think they were they missed a lot of chances. They could have been, you know, apart from the Garnatro goal, which I'll come on to and say, I think that deserves its own. We can all talk about that, but they yeah. missed a lot of chances. <laughs> they missed a lot of chances. I mean, Decore yeah. and Calvert Lewin should should be burying it, and I think United got away with one um, in terms of the chances. But to go and win three 0 was obviously a good result. Yeah. I think uh, me and Johnny were talking earlier, and, and it was one of those ones that going into the game, everybody on the dog was saying. This is the worst time for Man United to be going to Everton. You know, after the after the recent points deduction, um, you know, the feeling aggrieved, the 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 protest, you know, the whole week. Uh, I've listened to forums where people are forums saying Everton won't lose this weekend. Everton won't lose this weekend. And you just think, you know, you kind of get bored and brought into it, and you're going right. This is going to be an absolute barnstormer. It was gone after about two minutes because of that goal that just shut everybody up, and everybody just went. Huh. Even the whole stadium, <laughs> even the fact that they were even the fact that they were booing after 10 minutes kind of didn't really have the same emphasis on it because they were already one nil down. Um, yeah. but that aside, yes, they probably should have had two goals before the I think the worst the worst thing for Everton was that half time whistle came because it was very stop start in the first 10 minutes, but after then they settled and they were getting them behind. The Curry should have buried it, um Calvert Lewin should have buried it. Just didn't happen, um, and sometimes that can go for you, especially when you know there's so much riding on it. But then half time happened, United came out and did the exact same again. They scored really early, shut them up, and give. I think that was United's United's first win this season where they've not where it's been where they've scored more than one goal. I think it was or something in the Premier League. So that kind of tells you what kind of a result it was for Man United, um, but. Yeah, they kind of blew them away without doing anything amazing. And I don't mean the goal, I just mean Man United didn't exactly play amazing. They didn't play end-to-end football. They just got the job done, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And that's exactly what I see it. Johnny, I will have to touch on the goal, though, from, from Garnacho. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about Martial's one. I'm like, that's a barnstorm of that. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely goal of the season for me. I think I think Jamie just said there. So if you actually listen to the audio again before when it goes in, I think even the Everton fans go, "Oh, you know, how has he just done that?" Um, it was it was a, a brilliant goal. 
the whole the whole scenario around that game was it was like somebody was asked to paint Everton and they painted that game. Everything was just went against <laughs> Everton, which is so Everton like. The apparently they raised 30, 40 grand to to do that protest, you know, with all the cards that they raised the money themselves between each other and they fired up the places are called in, they were ready for blood, you know, and they were ready to get the pitchforks out and go absolutely mental and then crack that that bicycle kick. And I have never heard a silence like that. It was actually uncomfortable watching it. And I was kind of half laughing and half like, Jesus Christ. I felt really bad for them. Um, just with the whole, the whole way it came about. And that killed the game in three minutes. It really did. That goal killed that game. Um, and, and listen, it was a bit of magic, mate. You, you don't see them very often. Obviously, the last one we seen I like it was, was Rooney's. Um, but I would say his, his had more. He had more work to do than Rooney did. He, he has to adjust his feet. He has to backtrack to get on that. Um, he has to move, you know, it's about two two yards, maybe back the way he has to go back the way, readjust, and still get, you don't get a more perfect contact. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you say worldly, you can use it loosely, but that's definitely one of them. I don't know if it's going to be goal of the season, most of the early doors, but I think you need to have something, you need to have, I want for Harry Potter to beat it, put it that way. It was special. Um, and it killed that game. I know it was 3-0, but for me, that game was one in three minutes. Do you always think, do you always think when, when goals like that go in as well, it always makes it look a million times better when the keeper's full stretch, full stretch trying to get it, and it still hits the top bin. See, if the keeper doesn't move, you just go, brilliant. See, the fact that Jordan Pickford actually tries to dive, it makes it look more spectacular. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, tremendous. So it was... It was just yeah, ruined by that bloody fucking celebration that he does. The he copies the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration. You're just like, oh, yeah, he's a president of the fan club, apparently. Yeah, he is. It's ridiculous. So yeah, but I do think there's been better. I don't think that's the best ever. As Come on, he's a Liverpool goal. You're dying to give us one. Which one? Beat? <laughs> mate, mate, I wasn't talking about Emery Chan against Watford with the overhead kick. I was gonna, I was gonna go Peter Crouch for Stoke City. I was gonna go Andrus Townsend from against Man City. I, I, I much prefer those the big bullet ones that go in as opposed to the bicycle kick. It was a good goal. But but Jamie, uh, for Man United, uh, they've not drawn a game yet. They've rather won or lost. Um, as you said earlier, <laughs> when they've won, it's been by an off goal. But they're sixth. Um, it's mental because they've been absolutely, and rightly so, um, they've been torn apart by, you know, by, by us, by everyone, really. Um, but they, they sit sixth and they're, you know, they're not, they're not completely out of, I don't think they'll get top four, by the way, but it's not, it's not out of question. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think there was a start, I think I seen before the international break, that I think United was particularly the most informed team based over the last six games but it's all been you know to give it context it was all like 88th minute winners and McTominay coming off the bench and getting two goals and things like that it wasn't a, they weren't they weren't beating Man City or Arsenal or, or Chelsea or anything like that it was just more I think they had a run of games that they could they, they, prop, they profited from really well um 
I I had Man United done for I got I got sucked into it. I thought Everton were going to blow them away. I thought Everton were going to you know just tore into whoever it was up was up in front of them in that one game, and it just so happened to be Man United. So I was humbled by actually how well Man United did. You know, um, Luke Shaw came back for his first game from a lengthy injury, wasn't troubled. Um, the boy Dallow, um has been stop start this season, wasn't troubled. Harry Maguire looked, you know. Pretty, pretty decent. They, they they just had they just had a good game really, and even then, as you said, like people like um, Martial got got a goal. People were pitching in. Um, it was a really good three points for them. I'm not really sure what's happening with Marcus Rashford's hair. I'm, I mean, who goes into the barbers and asks for a ginger? I don't get that, but um, yeah, it was a big three points for them. Yeah, it was, and uh, again, uh, you know, with Everton, Johnny just just last bit for them. Obviously, you know, the, uh, the ten point. Deduction. We we touched that, you know, touched on that last time. Was was on the pod, but um, do you, you know they've obviously got a lot to do. They're writing it. Do you, do you think they'll do you think they'll go down? Do you think that will be that will play, play a, a big big cause? I think for me that I thought that would galvanise them. And I still expect them to start when I look at the teams around them. I think it will be close. But what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think it probably did galvanise them, Mason. I just think the way that game went so early, that's what that's what changed it. Um, it crushed them. I think Everton are very much a team who need that home support behind them because it is a fiery place um, and they do definitely get behind that team. And I think they, they, they rely on that. And it just after that, the place was, as you know, it was completely flat for the entire game. Uh, I still think... I know, looking at the way the league is now, right, and I know what I predicted pre-season, but the way it is right now in this moment, I would say they're probably still going to have enough to wriggle out of it, simply because there is worse teams in that league. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot tighter now. 10 points is 10 points, but I still think they'll do enough. Considering they've been docked 10 points and they're still not bottom, I think that speaks volumes. A... So yeah, I think the the probably probably most will wriggle out. Uh, you've got two two down there who are definitely for me done, um, and I think Luton all even though they've galvanised a bit, I think they'll still struggle. I think those three teams are probably what's going to save Everton ten points or not. I think the key. I think the key to this whole. I mean, we said last week we fully anticipate Everton to survive this, but I do believe they're going to have a lot of heartache before then. Because if you look at the fixtures in December, so they're away to Forest on Saturday. Forest have been banging at least two goals in the last, I think the last, the last five of the last six games they've scored at least two goals. So you think they've got the work cut out there. Then they're at home to Newcastle. That's not an easy game. Then they're at home to Chelsea. You would anticipate Chelsea going to come up and finally get some kind of, you know, performance. They're away to Burnley. Then they're away to Spurs. They're at home against Man City. And then I think they finish up at the end of the year away to Wolves. That's seven fixtures that you think, only oh, looking at one of them, Burnley, away maybe. But even again, it's away. You think, Phew. so I think they're going to have a lot of heartache before they actually get through to the end of the season and get themselves safe. But um, three points at the weekend would have done them big time because it would have projected them a little bit higher. The fact they didn't get anything from the game, you've got to stop looking down the line now and going, right, where can we actually, where can they actually pinch those points from? Um, 
I'm looking at probably one of their next seven games that they're realistically probably going to be a favorite going, excuse me, going into. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That 10 points has definitely dragged, dragged them right in the mix. They're in it. They're, they're in it. I, I agree with Johnny. I think there's worse in the league. They're, they're in it and they need to get, they need to get, you know, Point them points uh, and more back. Um, Jamie, coming to you then. Um, Spurs, very Spursy. Uh, three defeats <laughs> in a row now. Um, they've obviously got a lot of injuries, um, suspensions, and it's all all coming home to to roost. Um, Aston Villa, on the opposite, you, you just got to praise them. I thought they look they look good again at the weekend. Solid. Um, Emery, so underrated. I think we've said it on here before, but. What did you make of that one um, on Sunday? Obviously, all the VAR calls, but for me, I don't think there was any in there that, that, that they got wrong, to be honest with you. No, I think um, Ange Ball is 100% over with, thankfully, um, to win the manager of the month three months in the row for your first. has obviously come back and bet him a little bit with the. I don't think, I think they said that. Um, it's the first time, um, you know, they've won, they've lost three in a row after winning Manager of the Month, so they're breaking all the wrong records now. Um, but that aside, I think the weekend is a perfect summary of actually how well that squad is. Nobody at the start of the season said Tottenham will win anything because we always expected them to struggle because they've got a good start in eleven, but then you've got to go deeper than the eleven and look at what the backup is because they're ultimately going to get injuries. Um, and I, I, there was, a, I think there was a narrative I'm watching before we come to watching on Sunday's game, and they panned to the players, and they were like, "Look at, you know, look at the, look at the, the injury list." Three of those players were there because they got bans, not because they were injured. You know, you go back to Romero's ban, and and you know, and it, they, they've they've shot themselves in the foot. I feel like the two serious injuries are the boys Van der Veen and um, Madison. You yes. would arguably say Madison is the is the is the biggest one because he's so. He's so effective on the ball and he, he plays so many players and he's always at the forefront of all attacking football that Spurs do. So to kind of take him out of that is always going to be a challenge. Um, the Son has blanked for three games in a row after getting his hat-trick. So he's obviously suffering and I think he's arguably suffering because he's not a number nine. You know, he plays naturally on the left wing. He's been asked to play up front, and it's a completely different style for him. He doesn't come deep. He stays up front, tries to run in behind. But when they don't have the dynamism from the midfield running through, you've got people like Heuberg and uh, Saw, who are naturally defensive. They're missing a trick. The one person I do feel sorry for is a lad, Benneker. 
he when they had him on loan, remember when him and Kulisevsky first start, played for Tottenham, they were brilliant. Everything went through them. And he got that bag of injury, the ACL, they, they brought him. That was his that was his game back at the weekend, and now they've just announced he's going to be up for two and a half months after that injury. So he lasted thirty three minutes. So I kind of feel sorry for him. But how good were Villa? Villa were blown away for forty four minutes, and I can say that comfortably because John McGinn even said that yeah, at the end of the game. He said we we deserved nothing from the first half. The fact we went in at one one was you know was a good kick on the backside, but they came out in the second half. Emery made changes and, you know, big changes. He took the boy Diaby off, who's arguably one of one of their better players this season, and brought on Tielemans and Leon Bailey. And Tottenham just didn't get another look in. Um, I think Tottenham were brilliant for about 30 minutes, but then they kind of ran out of ideas. They didn't have much else to say. Um, and then Villa turned up, and I thought probably one of Villa's best three points they'll get this season, that was. Yeah, I think you made some, some really good points there. I agree with you about... Uh... You know, a few things there, but some, some through the middle, um, you, you're absolutely spot on. It works if you've got the quality, you know, just behind him to feed in them balls and do, do you know, get him further up the pitch. But I think in the end, I think we summed it nicely in terms of the, the Tottenham subs, because they're, you know, their squad, they're really thin. You could see the difference where Villa had quality coming on and, and, and they ended up, I think in the end, they, they could have won it 3-4, 4-1. Um, Johnny? Um, what was your thoughts on on the game overall? And obviously, Ollie Watkins as well getting getting the goal. Unlucky not to, to get two. Uh, Emery's really turned. He looks he looks a right right good uh, centre forward at the minute. And um, again, I think that's just down to down to the manager. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's done exceptionally well with them. They do they have good depth now. Uh, we've talked about it a few times. And they're not an easy game for anybody in that league. So you know it was by no no way a formality for Tottenham. Um, and Jamie's right. Uh, first plus point of view, they do have a really poor squad depth. Um, what they have to cover if they do lose the big players is nowhere near what they're coming in to cover. So I mean, the two lads are out. Uh, both new signings and had both been excellent to be fair. It was a huge part of that that surge in, uh, in Spurs starting so well. So that is a big blow for them. Uh, I mean, we'll give them that. But two players shouldn't be enough to see a team, you know, start falling really fast. Um, it doesn't mean that's going to be every week, though. You know, I didn't want to jump the gun on Ange Ball just yet. <laughs> the, there's still plenty of time uh, for them to get the back under control. I do think, though, He's maybe a wee bit too bold for his own good, Pastor Coblu. Um, we've seen it with the changes and the way that he's done things. Uh, for example, when um, in the Chelsea game, with the most highest line ever known to man, and you know, persistent with it, maybe a wee bit. Uh, it's not arrogance, you know. Maybe just a wee bit stubborn, to be fair, uh, and to change things. Uh, you know, it's my system. It's going to work. It wasn't working. It was clear it wasn't working. And at the weekend there, he made three changes in that midfield um, for the, the team I lost to, to was Wolves. Um, so he brings in, let me think, Lacelso, uh, Benton Court, and Brian Gill. So that's three players, and neither, not one of them has started the game this season. I mean, that's a huge change against a very good midfield in Villa. Um, so for me, that's a bit of a red flag. Um, Maybe a wee bit too much off the deep end. 
I hope the boy comes back quickly, by the way, Bentinko. Came back today that that injury is actually ligament damage, and he's been yeah. out for a long time. Now he's going to be out for a month, which is it's harsh for a lot. Um, I feel bad for him. But, I mean, I think for Ange, it's all about learning how the Premier League works. I think in Scotland, you can be bold like that if you have a squad equality that's streets ahead of the rest of the league, minus the uh, Rangers, but they do have a huge advantage in terms of personnel and expenditure. So they can afford to do that. They can get away with that. That doesn't work in the Premier League. You know, a bottom bottom three team will punish you in the Premier League if you try that. I think that's what we're seeing with Spurs. But I do think he's a clever manager. I would, I would hope he would learn that, you know, Changes need to be made, and he has January to try and show that up a wee bit. I think now he needs to just take it to January and try and pick up some points and not let it free fall. Yes, but I, I think I think they're in a good place still, Spurs. I know they lost three, and you know they will get a bit of criticism, and rightly so. But but he's done a done a decent yeah. job. You know, it could. So it could it, it could be four four losses in a row. They've got Man oh. City away on Sunday, so uh, um, yeah, Man City away on Sunday will be. Uh, you know, it's it, obviously the fans are still with him, and I think while the fans are still with him, he'll have all the time in the world to implement whatever it was. Going into City, you, as I said, if they, if they don't beat City at the weekend, um, or they don't come away with a point, that's four. Then the following week, they're at home to West Ham, which is another London derby, and then they've got they're at home against Newcastle. Um, they've got some tricky ones coming up. They kind of need to start putting, not point points on the board, because that's the wrong thing to say, but this, it's just, um, they need January as quick as possible, don't they? Because it's obviously that they're going to bring in some kind of changes. But, um, yeah, they're gonna. I think they're going to have a few sticky ones going forward. Yeah, they've definitely got a tough, tough run of pictures, as you say, coming up. And I think it will be interesting to see another defeat for and how they sort of respond from that. Um <laughs> So it'll be interesting one next weekend. Um, Jamie, coming back to you um, for the next one. Um, uh, and I think this one, I thought it was a really good game, uh, the Monday Night Football, full on beat walls. I thought it was end-to-end, um, had a bit of everything. But again, it's another game that's everything that's coming out of it is about VAR. Yeah. Um, what, what did you make of Larry O'Neill's comments last night? I think uh, Johnny, you put something in the group earlier about you know the amount of decisions they've had to go against them and uh i do actually feel for them um, because some of them have been really really poor decisions but yeah the, i think i kind of feel sorry for him as well because the questions he's being asked are very unfair you know the media are obviously trying to get a reaction out of him they're trying because that's what the headline is and i thought he did really well last night to stay reserved and just talk about oh how am i meant to approach us how am i meant to answer this there's going to be a point where i've got to say no i'm not happy with this um and i think you know we talked about the difference is something like eight points they could be eight points better off this you know if those decisions hadn't gone against them not that they'd won them but if those decisions if those decisions hadn't gone to go gone against them they could have essentially been eight points better off than where they are now that's a big difference in the premier league we're talking about 10 points taken off everton and sucks about in the bottom three eight points can take you out of a bottom three kind of thing like and i don't think wolves are going to be in a dog fight but you know for gary neville uh, gary o'neill sorry that that's a big that's a that's a big lot of points been missing and, 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 you know, scale it back, nobody looked at last night's fixture, Fulham v Wolves, and when that's got 3-2 written all over, that's going to be a barnstormer. You know, it, 
it looked a bit of a dreary one that you think, right, Fulham need to get a point on the board because they've went a few games without any points. Wolves is always a bit... I think they, they, they won the last game out, didn't they? Um, it was a bit, you know, continuing that run. To finish the way it did 3-2 um, was, yeah, a bit of a, a head-turner. But then you look at it, you dissect it, you go, look at the penalties that were given. I mean, there was a couple that, you know, naivety from tackling in the box, shall we say, from the defenders, you can argue with. But that last one, that's never a penalty in a million years. When it happened live, it looked a penalty because of the camera angle. But see, when they showed you the replays and you see he gets to the ball first, the, ball, the leg's planted and, the, defend, and the, the, the attacker runs into the standing leg. Well, that was what happened when, do you remember when Newcastle got the penalty against them in the last minute and they got an apology for? That's exactly the same thing. And it was absolutely, I think, I don't, <clears throat> I, you know, I think it's absolutely terrible that that these things are still happening um, after being highlighted so many times um, this season. And what I mean is that, so I think we said something the other day that was a start where they'd already issued 13 apologies in the Premier League for mistakes given in terms that have affected the games. Consider this one number 14, and that's up something like 200% compared to the previous month, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Um, there was, what was it, Gary, Gary O'Neill said something at the end that was a bit, not troubling, but worries. The, the ref apparently said to him after the game that if he was sent to the monitor to re-review that, he wouldn't have given up. No. He's writing what he says, but that's probably not the time and a place that you tell the manager because he's now got to go onto the screen and what you think he's going to talk about. And that's what I mean is that whole consistency piece, the whole how that is structured. I don't know what the answer is, but the ref telling him at the end, if I was to ask to go and relook at that, I wouldn't have given it, is not going to do Gary O'Neill any favours, whether it comes to accepting that decision or B, then go and address it in the media because he's going to fucking throw you under the bus. And then it undermines the man, it undermines the, 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 the ref again. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't at the moment from a referee point of view. But I don't think you should be saying that to Gary O'Neill at the very end there, if that's what has actually happened. No, I was surprised to, to hear that myself. I wasn't surprised, to be fair. But uh, Johnny, what did you make it make of it last night? And just the inconsistency we're seeing week in, week out, and and oh, it, it's, it's really frustrating. I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, not a fan of it at all. I think you're re-refing, refing game, re-refing every sort of moment. I mean, the one for me that really frustrated me was the Tottenham Chelsea game a couple of weeks ago, where brilliant game of football. Um, that first half, I thought it was end to end. It was such played at such a, a pace. But everything was re, you know, re-reffed, and, and, and I just thought it just killed killed the game. But you know, in terms of Wolves, uh, sorry, yeah, Wolves, and, and the amount they've had against them this season, you've got you've got a feel for for Gary O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's any kind of you know out to get Wolves kind of thing. I just think it's poor officiating again, and they unfortunately are the brunt. Uh, hosted these decisions by what's looking now that might well have cost them seven points. Seven points for Wolves is massive. Um, a lot of team people, sorry, tipped Wolves for the drop um, and they've done well. As has O'Neill, he surprised me because I thought he would just make them worse. Um, 
But uh, yeah, this definitely isn't helping them. And I think you you nailed it perfectly when you started first starting up. First started talking about it. Sorry, is um, Jamie had asked me today what games I had seen and had I seen last night's game, and I was like, yeah, it's a great game. Really enjoyed it. I had pretty much everything. But what did we end up talking about? It wasn't about the game. It wasn't about the goals. It was VAR. You know, VAR was the topic, and this is exactly the first thing we've came to when we speak about the game here, because we have to. And that's you know, it's it's not good, mate. Uh, and it's very much that. Again, like you said, re referee in the game. Uh, you hear the, the whatever audio does get released, and um, especially the wolf, the wolves ones that we've heard so far. You have. These extra officials in VAR, they're not suggesting. They're telling the referee what the problem is. This should be a foul. That should be a penalty. That is offside. This, that, and the next thing. It shouldn't be like that. It should be a case of, we think we've seen something. Please go and review it and look at your thing. You know, if it's something more obscure that he's maybe not going to see, then fair enough. But if it's just an opinion against what he's gave, they don't have to give their opinion. They don't have to say you're wrong and you know because we think it's that. It's not that black and white. It's a case of we think there might be a mistake there. Go and recheck that penalty claim. Go and recheck whatever. They're not doing that. They're putting the idea and the thought in the referee's head before he goes to the monitor. So he's already got a program before he goes there. So 90% of the time the decision is made for him. Um, so I don't know how they how they're going to change it or how they do it mid-season. I don't think they can. So we're going to get more and more of it. I think Wills are just going to have to hope that it's not them again. The one thing, the one thing that worries me is that the penalty has, has evolved this season. You know, especially with VAR, it was a lot. A lot of VAR was about something the ref might have missed. It's now turned into, as Johnny says, their opinion. For example, we've seen far too many penalties given this season. Take Wolves out of it. There's been too many across the board where the defender has not initiated the contact. The defender has went for the ball and the opposing players tackled into him. I think back to, I think Anthony Gordon did it um, beginning of the season against Palace, I think it was. We've seen um, Newcastle did it um, against Wolves. I think we've seen that Arsenal got uh, got one. The penalties now changed because attackers know they're going to get some court, some form of a decision if they not leave a leg hanging in, but if they initiate the contact with the person that's defending the ball. And I think that's, that's re-reffing it because, as, you, as Johnny says, you, you can't give your opinion. And theoretically, the way I view VAR should be, somebody should be saying to the ref, we think you need to go and have a look at this again and let the ref have a look at it. Don't say nothing to him about what you've actually seen and just say, we want you to have a look at this situation. And it could be just that challenge from last night. And if the ref looks at it again and goes, no, I'm happy with my decision, then the VAR don't say nothing. See if he says, well, actually, no, I've seen something there. Then he makes his decision on the field again. But again, that's it's it's splitting hairs of how it should be used. But um, I think I think the penalty has evolved this season in terms of attackers are now leaving legs hanging and knowing that they're going to get some form of review, some form of decision um, to, to to aid their cause. And what's worrying is that they talked. About, there was something in the news today that VAR is going to get more power. VAR is going to start looking at second yellows. Um, they're going to get. There's going to get start looking at um, automation for the ball being out of play. It just. It just seems very scary. And then they talk about the sin bin. 
which I think ruins football, in my opinion, if a Simbin comes in. So, very troubling. Yeah. They are just ruining the game for me, though. They're, they're just... Yeah. If I had the opportunity to never go into VAR, if you said to me, you know, just don't ever go into it and we just have, you know, the, the lines are still getting offside wrong, referees still getting... Football's always been like that. It's always, you know, there's always... But now, I just feel like it's just... I think you're putting young kids off it. Yeah. I, th- I think I think I think we said it um, recently on a, on a previous pod that the 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 argument is skewed is, is skewed a little bit because the the, the stats say that VAR works ninety seven percent of the time, as in like it gets ninety seven percent of its decisions right. But compared to before VAR to where we are now, the correct amount of decisions given is only risen by two percent. So for that two percent. We've actually put ourselves through all that heartbreak of changing how goals are celebrated, changing the X, Y, Z. I don't think that's right. I, I, I don't even I know ninety-seven percent right. That sounds wrong. Yeah. Well, the only thing I think we really needed, and this is obviously in hindsight, was Hawkeye for the goal line technology, which is hundred percent right. If the ball went over, and an automated offside, an mm-hmm. automated offside that quickly says, "Person A was ahead of Person B when that ball was kicked." VAR, I'd take away the rest of VAR if I could, because I think it should come down to the ref. Refs are too scared yeah. to make decisions now. And if they make decisions, the mates tell them, go and check it again. The thing is, that's one thing you said as well, and they've admitted this, that yeah. a lot of them are really good friends. So if I'm out with, with Jamie and we're in a debate about football and I've got a strong opinion and see, I'm talking to somebody else, Jamie throws his opinion and. I might not agree with Jamie's opinion, but I'm not going to shut him down in front of everybody. You know, I'm not going to shut him what he says. I'm going to find a way to adapt his argument into mine as well. I think we're probably getting part of that. Um, I think it is dangerous. I think they've oversaturated it, and they're just going to keep adding more to a point where, like we've mentioned a few times earlier in the season, where they kill everybody of emotion in the game, and it becomes almost robotic. And I think when you do that, you strip a huge part of what football is. You take it away. Absolutely, absolutely, Johnny. And we've all got it. We're all, you know, football fans support teams. But see, when we score a goal now, it's a case of, you know, in the big games, you're not celebrating the way you. It t- takes it away. It, you know, it kills it. It kills it. It's, it's, it's not good. What um, was the game the other day that had three offside goals in it? Is it? Is it the Tottenham? Son scored a hat trick, but all three were offside. No, they were all correctly offside, but his natural reaction there was to look over the line and see if he's off. Rather than they all do That's part of the reason they lost is because he some men can't read the line. I was human <laughs> watching that game. Honestly, I was I was spitting. I've never seen a player read the line. It wasn't just the goals either. He was offside constantly. But so yeah, that was the bar's fault. That he, was him. He's not so used to playing a number nine role. He's not used to being so high up. He's normally one running in behind, uh, coming up behind of the number 10 role. So, yeah. <laughs> Johnny, last game I want to sort of touch on um, and we'll quickly round off the others, but but was, was the, the big talking point, I think, from this weekend um, was Luton getting their, their home win against uh, Crystal Palace um, and deserved to as well. Um, I think... I, <sighs> We said, I think we've said it. I think all three of us said Luton. They're going to be down there, but they've surprised me. To be honest, they've got a chance, um, and and then they're, they're not out of it. I still think they're lacking a little bit of quality, but you know they, they can they can pick up some wins at home now. 
um, over the next couple of months where you go in there um, and it's going to be that old sand, it's cold, wet, uh, windy, uh, no, it was always stoked, but you've got that at Luton now and it could, it could, uh, that could be, that could be huge for him over the next couple of months. Oh, they've got a chance. No fucking chance. <laughs> uh, I'm only kidding. If we've got any looting listeners, please don't send me on fact. Um, no, they, they, they've definitely found their feet. I think that would be the best way to say it. Um, they do have a, a weak squad compared to the rest of the Premier League. Um, they're miles off it, but they're still they're competing. They're, they're very dogged. Um, he's got them well organised. They're tight. They're a good unit. And they've looked a lot harder to break down, which before they looked incredibly fragile and it was always a matter of time. They don't really look like that anymore. Uh, so you can only give credit to that, mate. Um, I mean, they both had a lot of chances in that game, to be fair. And even when it was, uh, I think, Luton were up at that point 2-1, there was two huge chances late on. I think Palace at the bar and the other one was a, a save, which would have been 3-1 Luton. So, I mean, it could have, it could have swung. But I think when you come at the back here, yeah, that I think Luton done enough to win it. Uh, they earned that one. So I, do, I still, I still think they'll struggle, mate. It's a long season, and even the first eleven is is thin. So if they do pick up a couple of injuries and in that as well, I think they they will absolutely toil. I think, yeah, I think they're still going to struggle. But listen, I give credit where it's due. They've looked a lot better. I think they will pick up more points, maybe than most expected. Because a lot of them predicted to get break records in terms of how many points you know they finished the season. I think Derby are the holders of that, and a lot of them tipped Luton to beat that. So I don't think that'll happen. And it was a it was a big one, good one. I like their gaffer. Uh, I just think it'll be a wee bit a step too far for them come the end of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that definitely. Jamie, what's your thoughts on on that one at the weekend? Yeah, it was probably a three-pointer coming because they should have got points against Tottenham. They should have got points against Liverpool. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've played a lot better at home than what they have away. Um, they were fully deserved of the three points. However, that Michael Elise goal was something else. That that run on the wing to bend in was very Salah-like. As that's the, probably the best you know, plot I can give it. That was very Salah like and to come in off the right hand side on your left foot and scoop it into top net. It was an outstanding goal. Um, but sadly, um and, and I, I feel I feel really harsh with this. I remember seeing the Johnny Jones International break. Who who the hell's the lad up up top for Scotland? I've never heard of him before. The lad Jacob Brown and I have no idea he played for Luton and all of a sudden he pops up with a winner at the weekend. I'm like, oh, that shows you how much I do, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, apparently that's like only his third goal or something and X amount of appearances for them. So it was obviously a long time coming for them. Um, but they've got some really good runners in the team. The boy Chong, um, I remember when he came on against Liverpool, he completely changed changed the dynamic of that game for them. Um, you know, um, so yeah, I think the three points were coming. They should have had three points against Liverpool. They should have got a point against Tottenham. Um, Palace... Palace have had really good clean sheets recently, um, but you know they, they've always got a slip up in them any time, time soon. And I think uh, it was a welcome three points for them because um, I think I think this weekend they're away to Brentford, which is a tricky a tricky one for them, um, and then they're at home to Arsenal, um, and then they're at home to City, um, and then they are away to Bournemouth. So you know 
not six pointers, but got a couple of nine pointers coming up that they probably need to try and get something from if they're going to stay in the league um, and, co- and and prove us wrong. But it was a good three points for them, definitely. Yeah, big big win for them. And Johnny, just the the last the last sort of point of, of this week's show. It was uh, away wins for for West Ham away at Burnley, Brighton away at Forest, and uh, Bournemouth away against your favourite team, Sheffield United. Um, <laughs> um, out of that lot, was there anything there that, that sort of stands out for you? Obviously, you know, I think Bournemouth scoring three goals, I'd probably have to go with. Um, yeah, I mean, I expected them to win. I predicted that, mate. I just think uh, it's not that I'm not a fan of Sheffield. I have nothing against Sheffield. I'm just not a big fan of Paul Heckenbottom. Uh, and Bournemouth have looked look decent. I mean, they're another team that have, you know, they've done reasonably well. They've started okay. I thought Brighton's was a good result as well, mate, because I thought, uh, I think, I thought Forrest would maybe pick that, you know, because Brighton are a wee bit hot and cold. I thought Forrest might get something out of that game. And uh, they had a red card as well, so I thought that was a decent one as well. Decent, uh, sorry, close game, but still a good uh, three points to get away from home. So, yeah, pretty much those two, mate. I think that's Sheffield United. Is that name Rock Bottom? It is, isn't it? Yeah, I just want to check myself so I can smile. Oh, no, it's no. Ah, I bust my bubble. <laughs> Burnley. Yeah. Burnley. I'm forgetting. Burnley. Yeah, I'm forgetting everyone. I'm forgetting how bad Burnley are. Yeah. Burnley's a head scratcher, you know. I really expected something for them. Really Burnley, played, Burnley played well at the weekend as well. It's just that big row of red L's, man. I, mean, I didn't mm-hmm. expect them to set the league alight. I just thought they would be competent enough to be well clear of relegation. And no, not even close. Yeah, That's I think he would last. How long do you think they would give company? Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your job, Mason. How long do you think they'll give them at that rate? I, I, think, I think he's got a bit more time. But as you know, it's a ruthless, ruthless sport, isn't it? And if I don't know if they if they, get, if they go into the next sort of they're going to January without the pressure up. January, the pressure January, yeah. 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 Then plus they, they're going to want more money. I mean, do you want to throw money someday if it gets to? I mean, there's every chance that it doesn't pick up a point till January. I mean, we would have said, if I had to say to you pre-season, Burnley get 13 games in and don't have a, you know, only have have no wins on the board and only four points, you probably, you wouldn't have bought that. No. So, yeah, it's curious. A couple of, um... Here's one for you, sorry. Just, there was a, so the the, the, the Bournemouth game, so the lad Cliver, um, I heard a question on one of the radio shows and I never heard the answer to it. Um but the question was that Clivert became the seventh player, the seventh son to get to score in the Premier League, where his father scored already in the league. So I'm trying to, I've been racking my head trying to think of who the seven are, and I can only get to four. So, so I've got Clivert and Clivert, so Patrick Clivert and his boy. I've got Ian Wright and Sean Wright Phillips. Then you've got Ian Wright and Bradley Wright Phillips. So that's because Bradley Wright Phillips played for Man City as well. So that's three. You've got Paul Ince and Tom Ince. And then I get stuck. Apparently there's another three and I can't think who it is. It's not appearances because appearances would be a lot more. You've got the Cashbush Michaels, for example, but apparently these are goals scored. 
what about um, Holland? Hall, oh, yeah, of course. So that's five. Holland and Holland. Um, I've been racking my head for days. Trying, to, I think it was like, I think it was like, I think it was Monday morning. I heard it. I've been sitting there thinking, I can't, I can't figure this out. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. That. Well, I think the Bradley Wright Phillips and the Ian Wright Phillips and the Sean Wright Phillips will be the the conundrum one that people don't probably remember because what obviously about the lads, um, oh, play for Chelsea. Furlong, two of them played in the Premier League. Did they? Paul Furlong and I don't know if they scored though. I remember Gus Poyet's son played for Tottenham oh, as well, but I can't, but I can't remember if he scored. One to think about. I'd probably get the view, get the listeners in involved in that one if they can I think of who the last is, two were. Something like Daryl, Daryl, Darnell, something, something like that. I don't know if he scored on each other, but I know they both played. I bet there's a lot that played. Yeah, there's a lot more that have played. Because, as I said, you've got the Poyers, you've got um, the Schmeichels, for example, and, and stuff. But, um, yeah, apparently there's only seven that have actually scored. Father and son have both scored in the Premier League. There we go, listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just to throw that one in there before we move on, because yeah, the Clive yeah. lads are uh, obviously another one for the stats. But, but just Jamie, just to sort of round it off, we'll, we'll just finish on the the Burnley uh, Johnny point on, on Burnley. Um, I two, a couple of my mates were West Ham fans. Went up to the game Saturday and said that they they robbed they robbed it in the end. Um, I watched it. Then... I watched it. They absolutely got out of jail. It was literally last goes. And and you know what? Um, they only got away from. They only got out of it because of the lad up front. Kudos. His balls, yeah. you know, he got two assists, but his cross um, for the for the second goal was absolutely sublime. Um, and big so check at the back stick. He does that so often. Um, but, yeah, they proper stole three points there. They really did. Um, I thought Burnley absolutely batted them for the first half. I think Burnley would turn down a penalty, and then they got a penalty, I think it was. Um, and... They were well worth the well worthy of being ahead um, in the game, but yeah, West Ham. The quality of hanging in there at the death just stuck with them. Um, I think Danny Ing started up front for them, and he was non-existent. Um, Kudos was on the wing. I think Paqueta had a quiet day. Um, the defense didn't look great. A guard who I quote I really like was very average, um, but they absolutely stole it. They really did. Um, as I said, I watched. That was the that was the game I watched on the on the on the Saturday three o'clock. Um, but they proper stole that one. They did. They did. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting, as I said, another one for, to watch his company because Burnley fans that listen to Talksport Saturday night. Some of them are. Have time. you seen who they play this weekend? No. Sheffield United. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend you're looking at you're looking at Arsenal at home to Wolves, Brentford at home to Luton, Burnley at home to Sheffield United, Forest at home to Everton, Newcastle at home to Manu. That's Saturday, so Saturday night's going to be a spawn stormer. I fancy Newcastle to rip them a new one, but they might have the European hangover. They're doing really well in the Champions League right now. They're currently leading PSG one 0 so uh, I think they might sacrifice. Um, a few lambs in order to keep that three pointer going. Um, but then Sunday, you've got quite a few games at two o'clock with Bournemouth at home to Villa, Chelsea at home to Brighton, Liverpool at home to Fulham, West Ham at home to Palace, and then you've got City Spurs at half four. So, uh, 
quite fancy a few of them ones to... I think Chelsea Brighton's got goals written all over it. I think City might batter Spurs. Um, yeah, just, that's a just, signal for Ange, because yeah, he's obviously, I, he needs a win. I quite fancy that to be like a 4-0 or a 5-0, yeah. I really do. See, the, see, thinking about the thing, well, uh, not really going back, but talking about Spurs, <clears> the one thing about even just having a few losses, right? Now, we spoke about injuries and stuff, but they have had those losses. Mm-hmm. The press and so many fans are itching for him mm-hmm. to fail. You know, they are, they, they are just waiting to leapfrog yeah. and jump on uh, simply because of where they came down from. They are hoping that it happens. So there's a part of me that doesn't want to see him fail just for just for that, nothing else. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a that that's a that's a sore one for them. That's a game right now that they don't need. Yeah, I I, oh. I think the big ones will be. I think Newcastle might batter Man U, and I think City might batter Spurs. They'll be they'll be two barnstormers them. Did you say Steve yeah. Bruce? Sorry, did you mention Steve Bruce and his boy? There's two. Alex Bruce. Ooh. He scored. And Ooh. Steve Bruce scored. That must be one. Yeah, that's got to be one, isn't it? You better, not be Googling, Johnny, you, you better not be Googling. I'm looking at the fixers of cheeky sword. I've only got yes. one. I can't be looking that hard. <laughs> yeah, Seafood is definitely scoring in the Premier League as well. Alex Bruce, did he, he play for Birmingham City, didn't he, in the Premier League? Oh, yeah, Hull as well, wasn't he? Hull <coughs> was for a while. Mm. Yeah, Hull, yeah. There you go. So we're still missing one. Yeah, no <laughs> idea. Well, if anyone else can uh, get it in before before we work out, that'd be appreciated. Our missing jewel. <laughs> Last thing to do, gents, is to thank you tonight. So, Johnny, thanks for tonight, mate. You're most welcome, and thank you. Always nice to be on. Uh, good luck to Sheffield United at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we can. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Top man, uh, Jamie. Thanks as always. As always, Mason. Thanks for having me back on. Nice one. And we will be back on next week to go over um, some of our predictions. We've come out there. there. Uh, so everyone put on Spurs to nick a one-nil win. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, <laughs> but as always, take care. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.